0: This is the ninth recording Eric and I have done today, and the first for the Q&A show, which I've aptly named Q&A Eric 1, just in case we have another incident, but Eric is trying to make me feel at home um with all of the audio mike and i have so many fucking audio issues on this show for like reasons that are completely out of our control he completely lost the internet one time i think i had power go out once so (laughs) you're right at home in this and i just do a fantastic job editing if i don't say myself so nobody knows that it exists um hello ladies and gentlemen welcome to off the post i don't even think i introduced the show last time (coughs) um this is the show where we introduce or This is the show where we answer your questions about the New York Rangers. We, this time being me and Eric Cohn. Eric, hello. Thank you again for coming on because Mike has a sore throat. Um, Did you enjoy the flagship show? Was it everything you thought it was going to be? And more and more, there it is. Um, ironically enough, we are, we were just talking about this. Uh, Felipe Gostin has asked this question three times. Uh, once I missed it, once I avoided it because I didn't really know how to answer it and I needed time to prepare and we never read these before we do them. But you know what? Fuck it, we're going all out on this one. Uh, Felipe asks, could you guys do a ranking of the 10 best Rangers of all time, 10 to 1? Just consider the time they actually played for the Rangers. Thanks for everything you do, Joe and Mike, in this case, Joe and uh, Eric. And I love your podcast, I never miss an episode. Maybe that was why I read it, because you uh, buttered me up and I am a filthy whore. Okay, so here's what I think we should do. Eric and I, this was one of the rare moments where we looked this up. I sent him the question just to make sure that we were all under the same... Just we we knew what we were getting into because this is too hard to do off the top of your head. Um, I think what we should do is we should start like I'll you give your tenth, I'll give my tenth, I'll give my ninth, you give your ninth, and we'll okay. go back and forth. Okay. Um And you can give a little bit of reasoning for the people, just so you know. Again, this is and I'll, I'll name somebody who I think is on both of our lists, um, Yarmir Yager. This is Yarmir Yager during his time as a New York Ranger. Correct. It has nothing to do with his time elsewhere. And- Oh, I was. And, oh, you going to and the other thing to we agreed to was, was that, yeah.
1: Yep. Yeah, it, it's only the ni- players from the 1994 team forward because, you know, I think we can agree that, you know, Joe and I are comparable enough in age that we remember that team, but not a whole lot before it. You know, is Brad Park the greatest New York Ranger ever? He might be. I never saw him play. I find it very difficult, other than by stats and reputation, to judge him. So we're really judging from when we watched the Rangers until now to create this list.
0: Yes, and that's important because, like, yeah, like you said, Brad. I know, I know about Brad Park. What did you say? You said Gene Rattel, right? Like John know, Rattel? Yeah, I've like yeah, you called him Gene Jesus. You Eddie Jockerman is Eddie Jockerman like one of the the best goaltender right, to ever play no for the
1: Rangers? That. Maybe he was. I never saw him. I don't know.
0: All right, so who's your number 10?
1: I'm going to um, uh, amend quickly to give an honorable mention, and then I will give okay. you my 10th. My honorable mention goes to Wayne Gretzky. Um Wayne Gretzky had 3 years with the Rangers. He went to the playoffs once. He basically carried that team into the playoffs. I don't think there was enough time there for me to put him into this top 10, but I also have great memories of that, you know, despite how it ended that 97 season and seeing the greatest player to ever play the game play for my favorite team, so we get an honorable mention for so Wayne. So, can Gretzky. we time
0: out? Wayne Gretzky was my 11th. So, he gets an honorable mention because and for like the reasons you said automatically you're like oh you have to put him on the list but he was a great New York Ranger don't get me wrong he was a great New York Ranger but in the context of that season versus like I took also into effect into like just consideration what the player meant to the team at the time so keep that in mind too but go ahead your number 10 my number 10 is uh, and this is where
1: I'm employing a technicality because he played on the 94 team but he did not win the cup with the Rangers and that player is Mike Gartner Mike Gartner, who played uh, parts to all of five seasons with the Rangers, 99, uh, 1990 through the 92-93 season, he scored 49 goals, 40 goals, and 45 goals with the Rangers. Yes, that was a time of more goal-scoring, but he was a goal-scoring machine, and he was ultimately the guy who was traded for Glenn Anderson, who of course was so important to that uh, Rangers-Stanley Cup squad, but he's the only, um, I believe he's the only Ranger player to score 40 goals in three consecutive seasons, which is somewhat remarkable. So Mike Gartner is my number 10.
0: So I actually, and and I'll preface it by saying this, I was 6 when the Rangers won the Cup, so... Really, I have the the big ones that you would expect from the Cup team, but really no one else because I really I have almost no memory of them. My number 10, ten one, Michael Nylander. Uh, I just oh. for for where the Rangers like when you think about where the Rangers came out of that lockout and what the Rangers. Like, they need, you needed something. They were in the dark ages. There were seven years of not making the playoffs. Obviously, Jager was a really big part of it. Uh, Straka was the, the lowest of the three for me. But Michael Nylander, to me, for really just, again, what he meant to the team, the Rangers, like, they'd never ha- like, the Euro connection was something I hadn't experienced. So Michael Nylander, I think it's Mike's favorite player, one of his favorite players of all time. That's my, that's my response to that. All right, you, you did 10. I'll do 9. My number nine is Rick Nash. Believe it or not, I think Nash was an absolute monster for the New York Rangers. A- again, this is coming from somebody who kind of led the Rangers in that in that Stanley Cup run of 2014. Guys like St. Louis, like I wanted to have St. Louis on there. In a way, I kind of wanted to have Derek Broussard on there.
1: You can't um, justify it. They weren't with the team long right, enough. They weren't
0: with the team long enough. Like Broussard, maybe you could have really gotten on there. But he, he might
1: like, merit like the honorable mention category, right? But. And,
0: and same thing for guys like Dominic Moore and like Brian Boyle and players that I think were like, but you wouldn't consider them top ten just because there wasn't enough like, no, no, you know, there wasn't enough extra with it. But yes, Rick Nash for me, he, he scored forty goals one year for the Rangers. There's a lot really that I really liked about Rick Nash. So Rick Nash is my number nine.
1: My number nine is. Rick Nash. Oh, look at that! Rick Nash. Your, everything you said about Rick Nash. I swear plus, to God, we didn't. We didn't. We did not. Share there was no
0: intentionally for this reason.
1: We did not discuss it. So this is just uh, how it's working out. No, Rick. Rick Nash was. Look, there's a tendency I think amongst some fans to view him as a disappointment because he wasn't the offensive juggernaut that he was in his very early days with Columbus, but. Rick Nash was one of the most solid hockey players of this era of the team, this kind of modern era of the team. He played, he scored goals. He was great offensively. You know, Even when he went on those droughts, he still got chances. He was a monster in all three zones. He played defense. He killed penalties. He was the quiet kind of leader, that, the kind of guy that you love having on the team. I loved Rick Nash. He's underappreciated. He's my number nine.
0: Well, look at that. That's that's pretty funny. All right, who's your number eight?
1: Number eight is Ryan Callahan, uh, Captain Callie. I actually had to look up his like point totals, and they were more impressive than I remembered them being. He was that outspoken, emotional leader. He meant a heck of a lot to that team as it was coming up from the dregs of the dark ages into how good of a team it was during those playoff runs. He was a hard. He was the heart of that team, and I loved watching him play.
0: I've kind of realized that there were play like I didn't even, Callahan never crossed my mind once, and I would think about Ryan Callahan, I, I don't know, I still don't know if he would make my list, um, I'll tell you what though, here, so my eight and seven were semi-interchangeable and I couldn't figure out who was what, um, so I'm going to say my seven is, is Adam Graves, um, I did not get a ton of Adam Graves in my life, like, from a standpoint of remembering him, like, playing. I really got the tail end of him. But my love for Adam Graves extends beyond, like, the ice. My love for Adam Graves goes for all the things he does off the ice, all the things that makes him a New York Ranger. It's part of the reason why, like, if you look at his statistics, sure, he set the goals record at the time for the Rangers. But there's really no reason for his name to be in the rafters from, like, a a hockey player standpoint. But I say that, and at the same time, how could Adam Graves not be in the rafters Yep, because of how good of a hockey player he was for the Rangers and all the things that he did off the ice? So my number seven, Adam Graves. And like I said, that was a very – it was an iffy or with that one in my number – or my number eight was Adam Graves, iffy or with my number seven. Your number eight?
1: Uh, My eight was Callahan, so you're up for your number seven.
0: My number seven, Matt Zuccarello. All right. I love – Everything about Matt Zuccarello, he brought fun back to hockey for the New York Rangers. Again, this is not somebody who's putting up numbers that, you know, you're not talking about a 1,000-goal scorer. You're talking about somebody who started his career late with the New York Rangers. But there was not a player on this team that I had more fun with than Matt Zuccarello. He was an ambassador for the sport. He was one of the key Rangers during the Stanley Cup run. Somebody who, like, it was heart-wrenching for the Rangers to trade him away and just somebody that, like, how could he not be on your list?
1: I want to stress again that Joe and I have not discussed this list because my number seven is Matt Zuccarello.
0: I heard you you laugh when I said it, so okay. (laughs) Um,
1: Everything that you said, if Matt Zuccarello doesn't take a Ryan McDonough slap shot to the head in 2014, I think the Rangers win the Stanley Cup. He was, you know, as a... I'm a short guy. I'm not very tall. I love what Matt Zuccarello did. He would never back down from anybody. He led this team in points multiple times on where you could argue that there were, you know, better offensive players, quote unquote, better offensive players on the team than him. He still led the team in points. Um, you can't not love Matt Zuccarello and I hope there's a reason to resign him because I love the idea of him playing for my team. Me too.
0: But I do love the idea of that first round pick coming from Dallas. That too. That too. Uh, Your number six, sir.
1: My number six is the first hockey player I really loved, and that is Mike Richter. Uh, I wanted to be Mike Richter when I played street hockey. I was, in my own mind, Mike Richter. The save he made against Pavel Bure in the 94 finals is permanently etched into my brain. Uh, I love Mike Richter. I have an autographed puck from Mike Richter. I think Mike Richter is awesome, and he's my number six. Uh,
0: My number six is Mike Richter. Um, (laughs) I had a poster of Richter making the save on Bure above my bed. I literally, when I was a kid, And I think I've told this story on the podcast before. When we lived in in Franklin Square, there was in the living room, there was a stairway that led right from the main door to the the second floor. And there was like a small section of the wall that wasn't covered by the armoire. And it was like a little triangle thing from where the stairs started going up. And I would literally put on my foam pads that I got one day for Christmas. And I would throw the ball against the wall, a little rubber ball. And I was Mike Richter. That's who I was, and I played street hockey as Mike Richter. Mike Richter was my favorite player until I met one Henrik Lundqvist. And, yeah, that's just – that's really funny. Um, I thought I was being sneaky with this next pick for number five. But now I have – and I have a really funny feeling that our top four is going to be the same. So this may be where we differentiate maybe. My number five, Marion fucking Oh, There was not a – like – When you're talking about, don't forget that when the Rangers signed Gabrick, they were in a period of every free agent that we brought to New York was a fucking disaster. Every star that they signed, be it Lindros or Holik or Kasparitis, if you could even consider him, or whoever it may be, they never lived up to the hype. And Marion Gabrick was the guy that lived up to the hype. He is criminally underappreciated by New York Rangers fans.
1: I think that's a solid argument for Marianne Gabrick, who I did enjoy. I will always remember for the game winner in the third overtime Uh, against Washington. Washington. Um, I I will dissent on one note you made in that comment there, which is um, I actually toyed with the idea of at least giving an honorable mention to Eric Lindros because Eric Lindros, for the Rangers, was a very good hockey player. That's true, he actually. was handicapped by, of course, all of the head injury problems that he had from his time with Philadelphia, um, what Scott Stevens essentially had done to the poor man. Um, but he was a very good player for the Rangers, and it ended as unfortunately as you could predict it would with another head injury. But um, So I have some appreciation for Eric Lindros, even if I loathed him when he was with the Philadelphia Flyers.
0: Well, now I'm very curious who your number five is going to be.
1: My number five is Adam Graves. Oh, okay. Uh, so, everything again that you said about Adam Graves, Adam Graves is a very good hockey player. He's an even better human being, and that's what you want to be.
0: So, uh, oh, I went, I did five, right? So, you do four.
1: So, I go four now. My number four is Yarmir Yager. Uh, Yarmir Yager, for the years that he was with the Rangers, I think he, he was outstanding. I think people recognize he was outstanding and I still feel like he's underappreciated. Um, Yarmir Yager was a beast and it was incredible to think that even you, you could have, for other players at that age, you'd think they're beyond their prime and Yarmir Yager was still a monster. He was a monster even after he was with the Rangers. So Yarmir Yager is just a remarkable specimen of a hockey player and was, um, helped, lead the team back to the playoffs for the first time and you can't knock anything for that
0: yeah all that and then some i also have yager as my number four i really toyed with putting him at number three messier ends up being my number three um just because i got more of yager than i did for messier again i was six when the rangers won the cup like when messier came back after vancouver um like he was a shell of his former self and that was really where i started becoming a cognitive like i understood what hockey really was. I wasn't just blindly rooting for a team. Like, I had an appreciation of what hockey was. And yarmir Yager made me fall in love with that type of hockey. There was never a player like yarmir Yager to me before. Um, I know that we've sort of been, like, some of the older guys were spoiled, or some of the older fans, my dad, maybe your father, whoever it may be, um, back in, like, the 70s and the 80s. But Yager was really the first... Dominant And really since Like what was the last True superstar The New York Rangers Had on their hockey team Yeah it was Yager Fucking Yarmir Yager Um On the flip side Messier How can Messier Not be in your top three Um and Leach, which I'm assuming is in yours as well. But for me, Messier, like, fantastic, great, the captain, all the things you would ever want. What do we have to tell you about Mark Messier that you don't already know? But, yeah, he, he ends up edging Yarma Yager just because I wore out that fucking VHS tape of the Rangers' Stanley Cup victory. So I know yeah. everything that I need to know about Marc Messier. Uh,
1: Messier was a monster. He was, I mean, he is the captain. Um, he is the One of the best leaders in the history of sports, I think. And he could be on this list for me solely for game six in 94 against the New Jersey Devils. I mean, it's one thing, we get way too many of these predictions now of players saying, yeah, we're going to win this next game. And sometimes they do and sometimes they don't. And, you know, even with the famous Joe Namath, uh, you know, guaranteeing a win over the Colts, Joe Namath didn't, you know, he never threw a touchdown pass in that game. Marc Bessier, not only possibly offhandedly, guarantees they're going to win the game. He goes out and he scores a hat trick in the third period. I mean, that is the stuff of legend. That's what makes sports fun, and that's what makes Mark Messier one of the greatest rangers of all time.
0: Is he your number three as well?
1: He's my number three.
0: All right, so this is so I, I have a funny feeling I can guess who your next two are.
1: Uh, I think we probably have the same one we and two. Probably have
0: the same. Who? Who's your two?
1: My number two is Brian Leach
0: so that's my number two as well
1: and number one is Henrik Lundqvist. Yeah, so let's Lundqvist. let's let's wax poetic on Brian leach and then on Henrik Lund- Lundqvist. Brian Leach um, could you can argue that he is he could be number one I, I think there's a legitimate argument whether it's leach or Lundqvist is you know the best Ranger of the modern era that we're ranking here um, but you talked about what was the last like true superstar that the Rangers had and it was Jager Um the last true superstar defenseman was definitely Brian Leach. He's one of the best defensemen to ever play the game. And it was, you know, I understand the need to move on, and that trade looks horrible in retrospect, but that was a truly heartbreaking moment to see Brian Leach wearing another team's jersey, and uh, I'll always remember him for uh, what he did in that for that 94 team and helping them win a Stanley Cup.
0: A a generational defenseman, um, somebody that I I think completely changes the trajectory of the New York Rangers. You can easily make an argument that the Rangers don't win the cup without him. Um, Just kind of change the way that I, I wouldn't say. And here's kind of the difference for me. Brian Leach, I think, is easily in the discussion. Of One of the best defensemen to ever play the game, but maybe not in like that top three to top five category. Um, I'm sure you can make an argument for it. Maybe it's semi sacrilege to talk about it that way. I certainly think Leach deserves to be in that type of discussion. But Henrik Lundqvist is legitimately one of the greatest to ever play goaltender in the National Hockey League. Goaltending is literally voodoo. It is the goal of goaltending is consistency. And Henrik Lundqvist is the model of consistency. You can easily make an argument that Henrik Lundqvist is a top three goaltender of all time. I'm not sure how well you can make that argument for Brian Leach. And I know that there's the cup coming back for Leach, and that's fine. I totally understand that. But like Nick Mercandante said on the show... Teams don't win the Stanley Cup because the best thing that they have is bad. It's because the sum of their parts aren't good enough. Mm -hmm. So Henrik Lundqvist getting the blame for not being like for the Rangers not winning the Stanley Cup is is stupid. Well, how many how many of those playoff runs that the team went on with a
1: you know an anti Niemi like goaltender are the Rangers out in the first round? You know, they all of them he carries that team so much further than they possibly ever deserved to go. I mean, you know, you remember that 2014 final and how much Henrik Lundquist kept them in those games when at times when they were getting dominated by the LA Kings. Part of it, too, I think is you know, it's an expectations game as well. Brian Leach was drafted ninth overall in 1986. You expected him to be a very, very good hockey player, if not, you know, necessarily believing that he might be one of the best defensemen to play the game. No one expected that from Henrik Lundquist. Wow. I mean, he went at the bottom of the draft. And to find a guy like that, to have him be truly one of like, the best greatest joys that I have had watching hockey is watching how good Henrik Lundqvist has been for a long time. Now seeing that kind of come to an end is bittersweet. But even if he doesn't win a Stanley Cup, we still got to watch one of the best goaltenders to ever play the game. Probably the best goaltender, certainly um, in the history of this region's sporting franchises. Come at me, Devils fans. Yeah, he more, is more, more a more true superstar.
0: The most goaltender of all time. I'm just going to say it. I've said it before. He was fine. He was the fucking product of literally the most defensive team of all time. The most boring team of Kendrick all time. Henrik Lundqvist would have never given up a goal on those teams. That's yeah, right. That. Right. I'm I'm talking literally would have had enough 82 shutouts a year. They would have won the Stanley Cup every year. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm surprised at how like you I thought I was going to come off looking like an idiot But your your list was close enough to mine that I appreciate
1: Okay, we can feel good about ourselves now.
0: We can feel good about ourselves um, Jack Lewin uh, Do you want to address this hate speech and then he quote tweets a story that I wrote? Uh, I think two years ago. Where I, <laughs> I said Brendan Smith resigning was a priority um, I will address it. I, I think that we we've discussed this before the Brendan Smith that we got in that playoff series against Ottawa, it was hard not to see him being an important member of the Rangers moving forward. And I think that that summer he got out of shape. The Rangers didn't handle the situation very well. It kind of spiraled out of control. And even for all of his struggles, Brendan Smith has not been the worst defenseman on the New York Rangers. Mm -hmm. He's one of the rare players that, like the eye test tells you he's atrocious and then the the stats tell you otherwise. So and the other flip side I'm a moron. You shouldn't listen to me for anything. Don't even <laughs> read the blog. I'm wrong about shit all the time. So that's my response. Look, it
1: You have to evaluate these things at the time that they were said, too. Like, you know, if you knew what was going to happen, of course you weren't going to make that argument, right? So you you don't know that he's going to show up out of shape. You don't know that he's going to be as up and down as he has been with the Rangers. His track record with Detroit said that he was a good defenseman. He's the kind of guy that you need in the middle of your defensive lineup if you're going to be a good hockey team. At least everything about him to that point said so. You couldn't predict any of the stuff that came about. So yeah, I mean, it's weird the way they've used him as a forward. It's kind of weird the stuff that's gone on. It wouldn't shock me entirely if he got a buyout over the summer. Um, I don't know that that will happen, but it wouldn't shock me if he did. But, you know, at the time, I think it's a perfectly defensible opinion.
0: Well, thank you. I appreciate that. There's a lot of, there's, I mean, we listen, you can literally go through the archives of Blue Shirt Banter and see all the dumb things that I've written about. I wrote a whole fucking article on why we needed to give Vigneault the benefit of the doubt when the Rangers signed Tanner Glass. Like, you, you I'm not even, you can just go find that. You, I don't need to do anything. You could just go look at it. So that exists. Um, Panero in 2020. Hey, Joe and Mike, actually, uh, Eric, with all of the offer sheet rumors floating around, do you think there's a reasonable chance the Rangers will put an offer sheet out on either Point or Truba? So we've kind of discussed this a little bit. Um, I don't know what Eric's take is, but I will tell you that you need to be very, very careful, despite the very dominant RFA crop this year. <coughs> Excuse me. In going with an offer sheet, because you are required to give up next year's draft picks for compensation. And if you're going to sign a player of point or Trouba's ca- you know, caliber, you're giving up at least a 2020 first round pick. And the first five names in the draft next year may very well be franchise changing players, with the number one overall pick being a generational player. So you're giving up team-controlled years with a player who may be better than who you're getting anyway. And I and I get it. Like, Patrick Line is on that list as well. There are a ton of teams that are going to have to make Mitch Marner. They're going to have to do a lot to keep those guys around. I just don't see it being a path the Rangers are going to go down because they may still suck next year. Isn't this all a moot point? Offer sheets don't happen. Well, that's – and <laughs> I mean, there's –
1: They don't. I I, like as much as sometimes I wish that they would, and it would be more interesting if they would, for whatever reason, if it's collusion amongst ownership, if it's this old brother, you know, old boys network of uh, management that doesn't want to piss off somebody that you may need to make trades with at a later point in time or whatever any of these reasons are, they do not happen. You know, could I foresee, could I make an argument for either of those two guys extending an offer sheet? Sure. I can make an argument for that. Um, does it matter? Because it it doesn't. Because it won't happen.
0: Yeah, I don't know what the and we've we've haven't really gotten into this yet. But here's the one example that I'll give you, and it's kind of how we'll we'll end this question um, of why it's stupid that we don't see more offer sheets. The new, not the New York Rangers, the Ottawa Senators general manager Pierre Dorium traded Mike Hoffman to San Jose, who then promptly traded Mike Hoffman for a better return, like what, two hours later, if it was even that, to the Florida Panthers because um, the Senators didn't want to deal within their own division. A few weeks later, Dorian, for the most important trade of his career, trading Eric Carlson, went back to the San Jose Sharks and made the deal. You're not going to piss somebody off enough that they're not going to deal with you. It's fucking stupid. Just, do your goddamn jobs, but yes, it, 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 yeah. My
1: only my only gripe with that is that um, it it's not the best example because those were also not good trades. Well, yeah, um, sure. So if I'm the San Jose Sharks and I'm literally dealing with a guy who I think is so out of his gourd that he doesn't know what he's doing, that he is willing to give, you know, he's willing to accept what they gave what they got for Eric Carlson, and was willing to accept what they got for Mike Hoffman. Of course, I'm going to do that deal, and if you're Pierre Dorian. Well, I mean, it, part of it, the only explanation could be you don't really know how to do your job yeah, because you are giving you up know. incredible assets for nothing. It, so it, I, I, I get it. I'm not defending the way that it exists. I'm just acknowledging that offer sheets do not happen and it's not really worth having a conversation about whether or not they will because I don't see it happening. But, you know, Brayden Point is a hell of a hockey player. Can I make an argument for trying to get him on my team through an offer sheet? Sure, I'll entertain that argument,
0: but won't happen. It's not going to happen. Eric, just throwing the hammer down. Josh Zarkin, in your opinion, what does Anderson need to work on to have success at the NHL level? I think he should be all in on improving his skating. Anderson's an interesting take because I've seen Anderson dominate the world junior stage I've seen Anderson put up remarkable growth numbers in the SHL Um, like things that you would not necessarily expect from somebody who was not going to have much of an NHL impact Uh, and that's not to say that Anderson won't I think what Anderson needs to figure out is what type of a player he's going to be. Because right now, it it almost feels like he's trying to be a little bit of everything. He's a very polished hockey player. He's somebody who is supposed to... I I think right now, the best thing he can do is work on his low reads and his defense. Because eventually, the offense will come, you would think. Um, But part of the reason why the Rangers drafted him, and one of the things that they touted about him, was his NHL readiness. Because again, the Rangers love these older or these kids that are playing in older men's leagues, and Anderson was one of the guys in the SHL. Now, it's much harder to be one of the guys on a smaller ice surface, crashing the net, giving a little bit more effort. Like Those things matter, but we also haven't really seen Leas Anderson be given a role on this New York Rangers team. So, When I have watched Anderson, the things that have stood out have been the lack of defensive awareness, which is normal for a kid his age who's coming into the NHL, who's dealing with a smaller ice surface, who is kind of figuring out the speed of the game. And at this point, anything that happens in Hartford is like poison. But I answered a question about this on Twitter today um, when we were talking about David Quinn. Anderson's struggles is more of a stain on the organization than it is on David Quinn, Himself, because the Rangers have no development pipeline in Hartford because Hartford is a literal tire fire. Yeah, Hartford
1: is bad. Um, You know, from my previous professional life and public relations, one of the lessons I learned is when I don't know an answer is to say I don't know. I don't know what he should work on, other than I will echo what you said, that uh, you want to see him establish a role on that team and really get an opportunity to play and to develop as a player what specifically he needs to work on i don't know the answer to that but i have a you know a reasonable amount of confidence that the new york rangers and david quinn do they know what they want out of him um they know what they're going to try to get out of him and i'm going to let that path proceed
0: well, there you go. Public relations advice as well. Um, Jenko N Y R. Do you think the Rangers should go out and pry Truba or McAvoy? Or will this create more of a logjam for our defensive prospects? It seems like we need a legit number one guy. So let's assume we're not talking offer sheet for either of them. We're talking about trade. Um, Truba is somebody who's been linked to the Rangers a lot. There's obviously some discontent with the way that he's been handled in Winnipeg. He's not a huge fan there. Everybody's kind of expecting him to kind of move on. Um, We've entertained the idea of Chris Kreider for Jacob Truba being something that would work for both sides. Do I think. Look, if you're getting a player of Truba or McAvoy's caliber, it does not matter what defense, like defensive kids you have in the pipeline, because Hayek is not of that level. Um, Miller and Lundquist could be, but they're two years away. Like you worry about that when you get there, and by the time Miller or Lundquist is coming to this team, Shattenkirk, Smith, and Stahl are no longer going to be contracted players hopefully the Rangers make the right decision on Pionk and D'Angelo, and then it's just D'Angelo, Shea, you know, whatever else it may be. Maybe Clayson is still around. Maybe they bring somebody in. So, yeah, I would say if you can get them, yes. But the price for McAvoy... It's going to be a hell of a lot more than Kreider. I think you could talk Winnipeg into a Kreider for Truba swap. Um, McAvoy is going to be everything and then some. So just keep that in mind. Eric? I I think Truba makes the most sense mostly because of the situation
1: that the Winnipeg Jets find themselves in with regard to having to pay players. Um, They are going to need some relief somewhere and having to pay Jacob Truba in addition to paying Patrick Line, in addition to. Uh, to playing, paying Connor. Uh, they've got some decisions to make. So, yeah, I, look. Do they need to go out and get a player like that? Yes, I've said that before. I will say it again. They need a top-of-the-line defenseman because they do not have one right now, and they're not going to be the kind of team that can contend for a Stanley Cup until they have one. Jacob Truba, I can see being that guy. You know, you can't give away the farm to get him because you still need to be able to compete. But for the right deal, especially for a team that is going to need some salary cap relief, I, I think that makes sense.
0: Michael Silvers, this is a heavy question. I think it's fair to say that Henrik Lundqvist continues to trend downward as his career comes closer to the end. How soon into next season might there be a goaltending controversy? Or will something be established in the organization to avoid it? Thanks. I'll hang up and listen. Um, I... Don't think it's unfair to say that Henrik Lundqvist is not the Henrik Lundqvist of three or four years ago. Um, I don't think it's unfair to say that next year the Rangers are going to have a goalie controversy. I just don't know if it's going to involve Henrik Lundqvist. There's reports that Shostorkin does not want to come over and play in the AHL. Um, And if you look at that Hartford team, why would you want to? Of course. And I don't even know if he looked at the Hartford team. Like, if you're (laughs) Yorkim and you're playing for one of the premier teams in the KHL, why the fuck would you want to play for an AHL team? Forget that. Say it's the best AHL team in the country. Why would you? You're already at the top of your craft in Russia. You may as well just sign a contract extension there and be done with it. So... That's gonna be the real issue. It's gonna be whether or not Georgie Vershistorkin is behind Henrik Lonquist. And then like in the season. I'm, I'm not sure it's going to be a controversy because I think Lundqvist knows at this point that you're kind of putting the landing gear down on his career. There's not another contract coming specifically from the Rangers. I, I doubt he's going to go anywhere else. He's had an opportunity to leave. He hasn't wanted to. Um, we discussed in the flagship about the morons who think that he's out here picking his games. I, I think the controversy is going to happen over the summer. And then I think if we do a 50-50 swap of Lundqvist slash Shestyorkin slash Georgiev, Leno, whichever one of Shestyorkin and Georgiev... Um, Sticks around. I think that might be something we talk about, but I'm far more concerned about getting both of them here and having that problem than anything else. I agree with that. I think you're correct that there's
1: no controversy with regard to Henrik Lundqvist, because we all know where Henrik Lundqvist is. We all know what is going on here. We all know he's entering the twilight of his career, that it's going to be a timeshare. You're right. The only question is, is it going to be with Shostorkin or Georgiev? I think the answer is pretty obviously it is going to be Shostorkin, because you're not bringing, as you said, you're not bringing that guy over to have him play in Hartford. And as much as I love what Georgie has done this year, uh, he's the guy who would make the most sense being the guy playing in Hartford. And if, you know, Shastorkin is struggling, he's the guy who comes up and spells him. So we, we see how that all plays out. I also think you're correct that, yes, this, um, I think you're correct with one caveat. Depending on the trajectory of the team, how they are looking, um, you know, in the final year of Henrik Lundqvist's time, if they're looking like a team that has a very, very good chance to win a Stanley Cup the next season, I can see the Rangers giving Henrik Lundqvist a one-year contract to take one more run at it to try to win a Stanley Cup. Um, it would be complicated because that would be, you know, you would have had Shostakin for some time then. But I can see that possibly being a situation.
0: Hmm. It's almost something that I don't even like. I haven't thought about because um, it's hard to think about. It is hard to think about. Like you're coming, it's almost like you're, you know, you're, you're turning the lights off. Like you should be afraid of the dark because we've gotten very used to the Henrik Lundqvist who has carried this team beyond, you know, any of our expectations. And you are coming back to a period of time where you know, your Rangers are competitive again. You don't know what it's like to have competitive Rangers hockey without Henrik Lundqvist.
1: So. And, and, and to another point as well. So I grew up in the St. Louis area. A lot of my friends are St. Louis Blues fans. There have been a lot of very, very good St. Louis Blues teams that have all fallen apart for largely the same reason: inconsistent goaltending. It's a scary place to be. That this is where you know all of the Henrik Lundqvist haters out there and the people who like to crab about him all the time, I think, are finally going to have their comeuppance when the Rangers are going to have you know a time where it's like, oh man, there's questions about the goaltending. Is it as good as it needs to be? That's not something we have had to debate in a very long time. And as, as many Blues fans as I know, it is not a fun place to be where you're always wondering that no matter how many superstars you have on the front line and the defensive line of that team, that you don't know if the puck is going to be stopped when it comes into your zone. It's not a fun place to be, and you should appreciate Henrik for what he is.
0: I mean, look at the Philadelphia Flyers. It's, same s- it's the same deal. Same situation. You're like you're at that point where you have no fucking clue, and again, it's you're you're used to perfection, and it's not going to be there very long. Um, Andrew Wadhams, I think I pronounced that correctly. Hello, Mike, mystery guest, and Joe. Is there an RFA you could realistically see the Rangers going after? We kind of touched on that before. Eric does not see an RFA offer sheet coming, and I kind of don't either. But um, Eric mainly because there's no such thing these days and uh, me that there's no real player that's worth the risk of losing a potential lottery 2020 pick. Um, Dan Carozzi, this is a good question. You think Ruff gets the axe this offseason? How can he not? He should.
1: He has I to. mean, th- there's no justification for keeping him on there's certainly not a performance justification for keeping him around um the defense has been bad he's responsible for the defense the stall pionk pairing was a pairing for much longer than it ever should have been which makes no sense so yeah there's no reason that lindy ruff needs to be here and he needs to be gone
0: no i think that's one and that's kind of the biggest question mark that i'll have answered about david quinn is going to be are you firing him and bringing in like you have two x's and i's uh, x's and i's jesus christ you with two X's and O's guys on the bench with you, in Brown and Oliver. Just put one of them as the defensive coach. They can't do any worse than Lindy Ruff. Um, Phil, not our Phil. That's a great name, by the way. Hats off. <laughs> um, hey, Joe and Eric, could Kevin Hayes' next Rangers assist be persuading Truba to sign with the Rangers? Now, this is interesting that I I never thought of. Um, Hayes is going to be an RFA. There's some scuttlebutt that, you know, he might, the Rangers might be looking to bring him back. Same with Zuccarello, but it feels actually plausible with Kevin Hayes right now. Um, I never thought about the two of them having discussions about what New York is like. And you'd think Trouba would at the very least ask the question, no? Uh, you know, you would think so. Uh, you know,
1: with all due respect to Winnipeg, it's not New York City. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know if that kind of thing happens. I guess they would talk. Um, but again, it's for Truba, it's a situation where he needs to be traded, and he's not going to be in control of where he's going to be traded. Uh, he's only an RFA. Um, I certainly would like the Rangers to trade for him, but the fact that he and Kevin Hayes may be having conversations doesn't change the mind of Winnipeg management, and that's what matters.
0: God damn it, I love having you on this podcast. Um, Tyler McGillick, we're getting that first round pick, right? And then he quote tweets, I don't know if you saw this. um, It is the picture of Zuccarello in the cowboy hat. Yes. So, like, (laughs) can we just say that it it really does feel like Dallas is falling in love with Zuccarello, even though he's not playing, um, which we all sort of knew was going to happen? How How could you not you not? Right. How could you not love Matt Zuccarello? I mean, Jesus Uh, Christ. I will cry a little bit if he re-signs
1: with Dallas because he'll never play for the Rangers again, but, um, you know.
0: I don't think he's coming back, buddy. What are you going to do? I do not think he's coming back. Eric Carlson, not that Eric Carlson. Say we win the lotto and draft Hughes. How would you clear up the logjam at C? Is it okay having Hedo and Leas not play a lot of C for another year? Um, If you're not having them play center because you got Jack Hughes – yeah, that's totally fucking fine. You figure that shit out. You have Zabana, and Hughes be your one-two. Maybe you have Hedo play the three C role, um, or if you move them both to wing, fine. But yeah, if you get Hughes, you've won. Yeah, uh, simple as that. That's it's it would be a very good problem to have. Maddie B, why do you think Jets Islanders Mets is a thing, and Rangers Yankees Giants is another thing? Does it prove that people who make bad life choices just don't stop at one? <laughs> <laughs> I would just I mean, wow, but he, deep but, burn. But here's the deal, um, sort of because Eric and I spent more time than we probably wanted to on the flagship talking about how fucking dumb the Giants are. So it is. I will agree with you. It's very weird. Like I went to Quinnipiac, um, and everybody that I met who was from like the tri-state area were either Jets, Islanders, Mets, Nets, or Knicks, Rangers, Yankees, um, Giants. And I don't know why that's you're here. actually from the recent region, so maybe you can
1: answer this better. I mean, it, it, the football thing, of course, is weird because both teams play in New Jersey, right. but isn't it more regional when it comes to the other teams? Right? You know, it's Outer boroughs versus the inner city.
0: Yeah, I, especially for baseball. For hockey, like my dad's the islands. Yeah, yeah. My dad grew up in Brooklyn, so he was a Rangers fan, and that's why I was a Rangers fan. So maybe that's why. Um, but yeah, like if you're a Rangers, Yankees, and Giants fan, you're not totally like. The Jets, I think, are on a better trajectory than the Giants are right now. I think that's maybe fair to For say, the team that right? just signed Le'Veon Bell, yeah. 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 Uh, um The Rangers, like the Rangers and the Islanders are on such different like I don't think this this lovey dovey Islander season is gonna last. Um I think they're gonna get fucking shelled in the playoffs, and then I'd still rather be the Rangers than the Islanders right now. And oh then, yes. Yeah, the Rangers or the Yankees are better organization than the Mets, literally in every way. So, yeah, I guess it kind of proves that you, you just you make as many bits. but like you inherit this. You know what I mean? Like my daughter is going to be a Rangers fan because I am a Rangers fan, and she did nothing to have that shitty realization fall into her reality. But it is what it is. And so, there you are. You know, right? And I know I'm doing a shitty thing to my daughter, and I can't stop myself because mm-hmm. that's the fucking sickness. At least when my dad passed it on, the Rangers were good. Yeah, well,
1: and you know, same, same with me, um, although I can at least appreciate what my dad went through as a Rangers fan through all uh, a good stretch of those dark years between
0: 1940 and 1994. That was a great question. Um, Kyle Brandow, can we move back to a one to eight or one to 16 playoff format? I feel like the current system hurts the best teams the most and can get somewhat tiresome. So the latter of your point is what I have an issue with. I don't want to play the fucking penguins in the capitals every year in the playoffs. Yeah. I want the one eight Matt, like the ones that even, you know what? I could be talked into a one 16. I really could, where you just take eight from the West, you take the top eight from the West, and the top eight from the fucking East, and you pit them together. I could totally do that. Mm -hmm. Um, I could even do, you just take the top 16 teams, because it would really shake shit up. But... I, g- give me back the 1-8 and the receipt. Just give it back to me. I want that. This f- new system is fucking stupid. Everybody keeps saying it's stupid, and the NHL is just like, well, we don't think it's that stupid. It's fucking stupid. Yeah, well, also because the NF- NHL doesn't know how to market itself, they're, and that's part of the problem. They, but They could you, market the shit. Like The NHL could be so much further along than it is right now if they had any fucking idea on how to market themselves, even yes. a little idea. Yes,
1: you're, you're absolutely right. Um, I, I mean, eventually could probably be talked into any of these one through 16 scenarios, although I'm going to say no, just because of aesthetic reasons. Of I like the idea of an East and a West of having different conferences that meet in a championship, although I could eventually probably be talked into it. But yes, they need to go back to the one through eight seed. You know, it's I understand what they're going for and the reliability of teams that have a rivalry and that see each other a lot. And there's some interest in all of that. But, you know, it's, it, 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 to me, it's more interesting and it makes more sense to have it be a little more random and not be able to predict. Cause I'm so tired. Not that they're going to be in the playoffs this year and not that they were last year. I'm so tired of playing the Washington Capitals. Yeah, like, and, and, and up until recently, I'm sure the Washington Capitals were tired of playing the Rangers. So. Oh, yeah it, I think it works Cup is to not play the Rangers. is for the Rangers to miss the playoffs yeah, so Rangers. yeah I'm'm I'm done with this
0: um Adam Spencer hey Joe in the dark days of 1998 to 2004 who was more to blame for the team's failure Tom Pody or Tom Pody um, <laughs> We're getting some gems tonight here so I'll let me let me tell you this I think Pody was destined to fail in New York because he was the Brian Leaks replacement. I don't think Pody was that bad. I, like, his stats, especially the first two, the first two years he was with the Rangers, they were not terrible. Yeah. So I just think it was like you need a whipping boy. But I will tell you this. Um, when I was – when did Pody first come to the team? Back in, let's see, let's do some terrible podcasting. Uh, I will, I will, I will speak while you do that and
1: say that um, I'm not going to hang it on Tom Pody, but to me, it it always sticks out with Wade Redden is the much more indefensible decision of what defenseman to bring in. But Tom Pody was
0: okay. All right, so the Rangers traded for Pody. I mean, and let me just let me defend my opinion here. Tom Pody had 8 points in 11 games and the Rangers traded for him. And then 48 points in 80 games the next year. Like, he was fine those first two years. And then the Rangers fucking sucked. And it was what it was. However, flip side, the Rangers acquired him in 2001, 2002. I am 13 years old. I am sitting in the garden with my father. There was a man in front of us who was inebriated beyond words who just kept calling Pody toilet handle. And the name stuck, so he's always been toilet handle to me. And not because it has nothing to do with Tom Pody. It's just a fucking drunk guy who made some connection.
1: I I will say, though, part of my um, – now that I look back on it, part of my dislike for Tom Pody could have been that um, he was acquired for Mike York. And for whatever weird reason, I really liked Mike York.
0: And some of those trades, like, that's a weird one. The Anson Carter trade is just, like, it's so – Again, you're talking about a guy who like had a really good – I think he was a 30-goal scorer at one point. Um, I'm looking at his stats now. Like Anson Carter wasn't a bad hockey player. And then somehow the Rangers traded him straight up for Yarmir Yager, and they got Washington to eat some of that salary. That makes no sense. It doesn't. It makes no sense whatsoever. He was bad on the Rangers, but then he was like, yeah, 33-goal year for fucking Vancouver right after that. Good for him. Yeah. Um is this the last question? No. Two more questions. M. Mdelesio22. Going into the archives on this one. Okay. I don't know. am prepared for this. What was your and Mike's, so really mine and Eric's, take on the Dan Boyle meltdown on Brooksy and Kregalas at the time? Has your opinion changed since? P.S. For me, swapping Strawman for Boyle was the end of the run. I guess that was a callback to a question he had asked last week. Um... I'm all for, like, the players... The New York media was ridiculously... um, They were ridiculously rude. And I don't even know if that's the right word. Like, they blamed Dan Boyle for everything. They should have been blaming fucking Girardi and Stahl for shit, and instead they went at Boyle. So, no, they can... Good for him for going back at them.
1: Yeah, he... Look... Dan Boyle was not the player that he was earlier in his career when the, when he was with the Rangers. I think we can all acknowledge that. Sure. I think Dan Boyle would acknowledge that. However, you're correct. He was not the defensive problem on that team, either from an offensive standpoint or a defensive standpoint on the blue line. Um, it was the decline of Mark Stahl, which is mostly just unfortunate considering it was because of injuries, and the decline of Dan Girardi because Dan Girardi, you know, love him to death, but he was not a player that was going to age that well. He just never was. And because both of those guys had come up with the Rangers, had been key parts of the Rangers, there was a reticence to go after them and to point out the painfully obvious, except for, you know, the non-establishment media that is willing to point out these things because they're willing to look at the stats in a way that, I'm sorry, some of the establishment media guys are just not willing to do so. So I don't blame Dan Boyle for getting frustrated with that when he knows he's on his way out He was he retired, I believe, immediately following that season. Yep. And he wanted to tee off on him because he thought he'd been given crap for no good reason. And you know what? He was right. So no, I have the same opinion of it now that I had then, which is, you know, I I like I appreciate Larry Brooks and what he does. I can leave or take the other guy, but. I can find it completely justified for him to have said what he did out of frustration of the way that he'd been treated uh, unjustifiedly by the New York media.
0: Yeah, well, like, I would openly support if I ever ran into, like, a ranger that I'd criticized on the street just fucking calling me an asshole. I'm, like, fine. I, I have no defense of that. I would be annoyed if somebody was writing shit about me, too. It's gotta be difficult. I get that it's part of their job to be, you know, judged by the media, but, um... But no, the point is more that it's fine for them to point out
1: what was wrong with Dan Boyle's game. That was not the problem. The problem was, and Dan Boyle would never say this, them exempting certain players from criticism that deserved it far more than Dan Boyle. That was the problem.
0: Yeah, I fully agree with that. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Well, Eric, thank you so much for stepping in for Michael. This was fantastic. It was a pleasure. Um, and uh, yeah, we're gonna have you back on again, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Remember, if you are patrons, please give us your addresses so that you can get stickers. Eric can attest that they are awesome. And if you're in the ten dollars above tier, we are also out there getting mugs. And then I have an idea for a special collectible for our patrons, but that's uh, that's in the works. So
1: I, uh, before we go, I want to give a quick shout out if By I all can. Means. So I'm a fan of uh, a team from New York while living in Chicago, Uh, and so I don't often get the opportunity to root for my favorite team amongst other people who also root for that team. Uh, So I'm going to give a shout out to a place where I could go watch Rangers games in Chicago called Racine Plumbing, which was a Rangers, Yankees, Giants, Notre Dame football bar. Uh, which is closing for good on April 13th, and it is going to leave a small hole in my heart because that's where I watched pretty much every single game of the 2014 playoff run and where my good friend Charlie and I helped establish a tradition, which is after every Rangers win, we would take a shot of fireball, which is you know, one of the better questionable decisions I found myself making in my life. Uh, so Racine Plumbing, awesome place, awesome bar, great group of New York Ranger fans who are homeless, transplants, um, former New Yorkers, people who just inherited teams from their dad or whoever, um, or their mom or whoever rooted for the team that passed on their love of the Rangers to them. Um, going to miss it, but wanted to acknowledge it here um, before it closes.
0: Well, it was very nice and depressing at the same time, but very nice. Uh, thank you all for listening, and um, thank you again, Eric, for joining. And, uh, yeah, go to Racine's Plumbing before it closes. You have, like, two weeks. All right, goodbye.